Hello, everyone, and welcome to Into the Fray. I'm Daniel Mirabal, here with... I'm Eli Kleinman. Into the Fray, we look at positions, teams, and pressing questions from around the league, all through a college lens. Yeah, and we are beyond excited to be here with you guys today. Um, and so, without further ado, let's move on to our first topic, which is going to college versus going pro. Let's start with you, Eli. I mean, I just think this has become one of the biggest debates and important topics in basketball. I mean, we're starting to see top prospects skip college basketball and go to the league. I mean, look, Jalen Green this year, Jonathan Kuminga, Isaiah Todd all decided to pass up a chance to go to college basketball at some of the most elite programs in the country to go pro. And I think the biggest part of this is – looking at why it's not a surprise it's not something we don't understand it's the fact that they want to make money now they don't want to wait till they're in the nba the question is how does it change their transition to the nba and i think that's the biggest issue look for example at you know players who before sorry before the g league which is where those three players went you had players going overseas this is not exactly something new rj hampton a first round pick lamello ball went overseas although for you know slightly different reasons and an over controlling father i think he's been all over it's an interesting debate to be made because it is all about the money you know it really is yeah and yeah no it comes down to the money you know if these high school players want to go to the G League to make money, you know, no one's stopping them. All power to them. Um, this is a relatively new route. You know, was it really started with RJ Hampton? Possibly, but still, it's no, hard. It, it's... it was started before that. Right. But, but like, he's a notable example in the last couple of years. Right, he's starting the movement, you know. Um, yeah. But, I mean... Really, we don't know yet. I mean, we'll wait and see how, like, Jalen Green and Kuminga do. I think the G League is playing in the Orlando bubble, actually, starting in February. So they haven't played yet, really. There were some uh, scrimmages. But w- what will be key is to see what NBA GMs and scouts think of this, whether, you know, the G League affects Jalen Green or Kuminga's stock at all, their draft stock. So we'll see. Yeah. It's hard to gauge. I don't think it will hurt their draft stock. But here's where I, where I fall on this. Look, I completely understand the, I, the desire for money for these players. I mean, they are playing. If you go to college basketball, you are creating so much revenue and you are receiving almost none of it. Yes, you do receive scholarship. And that is something. I don't want to discredit that because a full scholarship to a college is a lot of money. Yeah, and that can't be something we overlook. But it's it's not anything compared to what these players would make if they were receiving a fair share yeah. of the revenue. But and and I think and let me state this first: the NCAA needs to make some changes. They need to allow players to make money, profit off their image and likeness. Yes. Oh, we a are player, about to get into a great debate here. We have very differing opinions on this. I don't think this is. I don't think this is that hard. Look, I, I, I'm happy to get in this debate right now, right here. But here, let me tell you where I fall on this first before you start arguing with me. I think the way to keep college basketball alive and well, as it should be, because I think college basketball is a great sport, although somewhat overlooked oftentimes in terms of what are important and fun sports, except for March Madness. Right, but everyone loves the March Madness. Basketball is overlooked, and 
But one way to keep it thriving and keep these players in college is to let them like benefit off their profit, off their image and likeness. And here's the way to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not to pay the players. It's not saying, oh, Duke is going to pay their players a certain amount of money. But it's allowing them to profit off their image and likeness. Why shouldn't a Duke player be allowed to go into Durham and be the poster person for a local pizza shop? Why can't they get paid to do that? They are the star Duke basketball player. Why can't Duke's local pizza shop pay them right, to no. be an advertiser? Give me, let me give you another example. A D1 golfer cannot give golf lessons a D1 golfer cannot give golf lessons. Yeah. That's a great person to give golf lessons. A, a D1 basketball player can't give basketball lessons yeah. because it would hurt the image that they are amateurs. But these guys are stars at what they do. They are some of the best in the world at what they do besides the professional level. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And so they should be able to profit off that. And they, you know, in jersey sales, if you buy a jersey with a number on it, yes, it doesn't have a name, so it's technically not theirs, but we all know whose number it is. If if you buy a jersey at a school, you know whose number it is. You'll you'll go on in ten years, you'll be like, Yes, I bought this person's jersey. It's it's not it's not complicated. And it's just it's the NCAA with a total money grab. They just don't want to let anything go to the players, and I just think that's wrong. Yeah, I no, I agree, and I think we're going to find some common ground here. But I actually think this this all boils down to the one-and-done rule, right? I think we can both agree on that. Yes. And uh, so I mean, we might have different yeah. opinions on the one-and-done rule. Actually, I'm not so sure because college football is an excellent example of they don't have a one-and-done rule, but they still deal with some of the same problems. But okay. yes, I agree. One-and-done rule plays a large role. All right. I don't know how you view this, but I, I actually don't think the NBA should get rid of the one-and-done rule. Or, or really, honestly, change it. I was, I was thinking, I was sitting back and thinking, you know, maybe I don't love the one and done role, but now, like, maybe I, I sort of oddly do. Um, first, I, I think it's better for the players to spend a year in college developing, and not even just developing their body, but like developing as a man, as, as a independent person on their own, making decisions for the first time outside of their parents' house, you know. And I think that's really important. And you learn that in college that you might not learn on a professional team overseas or even in the States. Um, it's such a culture shock. It, or it would be such a culture shock going from high school to the NBA, playing against, you know, some 30-year-olds as an 18-year-old. Um, that's cr- I can't even imagine that. And so I feel like college is just that that kind of middle ground or that that middle step, which creates more of a seamless transition. But why should we? Why should we force someone to go to college? Like, why can't they make that choice on their own? And so, I actually am opposed to the one and done rule. And here's what I'm thinking: my thinking is, you allow players to profit off their image and likeness. And actually, one interesting thing that I heard from I think it was Chris Fowler, um, who's a college football announcer, but college sports nonetheless. The idea, his idea, or someone's idea, was. To, I'm not, I love this idea. I'll take it and use it, but it's not my idea. But is to give players something long-term. So not just pay them while they're in college, but maybe because these players receive world-class treatment 
health treatment while they're in college, right? And once they're gone, they, they don't get any of those benefits. So something is maybe paying for their medical insurance for the rest of their life. And I know that's expensive, but this is a trillion dollar industry. Yeah. This is not some that is not an in a like unaffordable payment. So that that's where I fall on it. And then you can get rid of the one and done rule because players will have the option to make money in college. And you know, if they're gonna make the mistake and go pro, they can do that, but that's just gonna hurt them long term. I mean Sure. I mean, okay, look, look, it's easy for us to sit back here, right, and say, Oh, get rid get rid of the one and done rule, let these players make money, let them compete at the highest level when they want to, right? But I feel like we're ignoring like the negative consequences that could come from removing the one and done rule. I or the implications of this. This is a huge deal. Changing this like right now. I mean, there let's look at this first, okay? There would be so many. There would be a mushroom effect. There would be so many more busts if we were to remove this. Look at the okay, look at the 2001 draft, right? Which is the one and done rule wasn't in effect then. We all know Kwame Brown, right? Was went yeah. number one. Number two is Tyson Chandler, who's no scrub, but I mean, is he second overall worthy? Probably not. Number four was Eddie Curry. You're gonna see so many kids like that who just aren't ready, and it negatively and impacts the you. rest of their career. It's not just one thing. You have to live with that for the rest of your career. We agree on that. But my question for you is, why should we make that decision? Why is the, well, like, or sorry, why should the NCAA make that decision? Why shouldn't the players be allowed to decide? You're right, players will make mistakes. Well, I think the know? NBA and the NBA is making that decision because they know, because they know it's better for the players to be a, a one year removed from high school. Maybe that's true, but now the NBA players are tossing them all in the G League and saying you can play against thirty year olds or twenty six year olds. I mean, G League, you know, doesn't tend to get as old as the NBA because if you're in the G League forever, you're not going anywhere and you're not going to get paid enough. To the really... average age of the NBA is roughly 26. For the G League, it's actually 25 about. So it's not that big of a difference. So it's, so it's not that big of a difference, and that's my point, right? They're allowing these players to come to the G League. How much – I mean, yes, the talent level is so much better at the NBA. But how much different is it playing in professional basketball in the G League versus the NBA? I'm not sure if that – big of a difference now here's the biggest part of it though i understand why some of these players are going to the g league but here's some players that i think are notable to point out who didn't go to the g league and because of it they're going to benefit so look at someone like who was a this is i'm going to start with a top player from this year's class Jalen suggs yeah has vaulted himself into a top three prospect Right. He was the number 11 prospect coming out of high school. And now in some mock drafts, he's in the top three. Some mock drafts, he's number one. I mean, he's not doing that in the G League where he's not being watched. He's doing that because he went to Gonzaga. And Gonzaga is playing big game after big game to start the season against Iowa and Virginia. And he's putting on a show. He's playing absolutely great and so people see that because people watch college basketball and it's helping him out another player james bonite at uconn he's a sophomore he's now in a mock draft i saw yesterday a top 10 pick projected pick yeah he's a sophomore he's a lottery he pick. The there, there's no doubt he's he a lottery pick. disappeared yeah so you know and then one last example is a senior at gonzaga Corey kisper in the same mock draft that had James Bonite going number nine, Corey Kispert's going number 11. He's a senior. Mm -hmm. 
Had he come out freshman year or had he gone to the G League, he has no chance. Wait, but because so he made a, are you because right? he's made a college four years, he has his chance. No, no, you're, I know what you're about to say. Say it. Are you advocating that these players do go to college versus the G League? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, yes, I think a lot of them should go to college, but that's their decision to make, not mine, not anyone else's. That's their decision to make. And so, yes, Corey Kispert made the right move, but this college versus professional thing is, it's, it's a huge conversation and we're having it right now, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't affect that many players because Corey Kispert could not go to the G League. James Bonite could not go to the G League. They wouldn't make it if they went to the G League. I mean, like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't make it. They'd be second-round picks. Like, it's taken a couple years for them to develop. They needed to go to college. And they did, and they're going to and they're gonna benefit from it. They're top players now. Right. And going back to the one-and-done rule, right? Okay, I mean, we're, we're an NBA podcast with an emphasis on college basketball, looking through everything in the NBA with a college lens. So, okay, how about this, right? If we were to remove the one-and-done rule, or even just more players were starting to flock to the G League, right? I mean, it's hard to say that college basketball wouldn't be ruined, right? Because the truth is college basketball is simply better when Kentucky and Duke have stars like Carl Anthony Towns, D'Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson. College basketball is just better with them. And if we were to remove the... In certain ways, but frankly, college basketball is the one sport where stars are somewhat less important. Because think about it. We fall in love with teams like Loyola Chicago. Can you name a player off of Loyola Chicago? I can't. And we fall in love with that team. If you say over the past five years, what's been one of your best March Madness victories? It's UMBC beating Virginia. I can't name a player on UMBC. Right. Like it's you're right. We we like it because those star teams with star players are getting taken down. But Virginia was a great team that year, don't get me wrong. They no, were the best you, team in the country. Do you see that why year. the NCAA but, is worried about this? Because the year of Zion, right, at Duke, great ratings, right? Of course. It was a star driven league. Next year, some of the worst ratings NCAA basketball's ever seen. Why? Because there was no number one team. There there was no star. But they we care didn't about make that. it we didn't make it to the tournament that year. I, but before that, the ratings were the worst they've ever seen. Sure, but I'd argue that the Final Four probably got great ratings that year. And we I don't know this for certain, but – and Zion didn't make it to the Final Four. They lost in the Elite Eight. Michigan – I mean, look at your Final Four that year. It was Michigan State, Texas Tech, Auburn, and Virginia. Yeah. Virginia is the closest you can get to calling and Michigan State are the two that you could call a powerhouse. The uh, schools, the other two are programs that have never really been there before. Never, I mean, they're not established college football, I mean college basketball schools. So you're right. Zion does fuel the sport and it's important and, and viewership will go down slightly. But I don't think people are going to just start going and watching the G League. I mean, unless you're an absolute like basketball junkie like us, right. then we'll watch some G League stuff. I have no doubt. Like, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure I'm going to watch a game. I'll watch highlights. But I'll watch college basketball games. I mean, tonight I watched Michigan and Wisconsin. And Michigan won by 20-something points. But I wanted to see Michigan because they had a lot of hype around them. G League teams aren't going to have hype. Like, 
players will have height. It'll it's going to be so different. So college basketball is always going to have that glamour to it. That it's college basketball. There's rankings. There's upsets, and then it's going to have March Madness. There's nothing like it. No, and it's better with stars. Of course. Oh, no one's arguing that it's not better with stars. But are but you not just... worried? Are you not worried if they were if more players were to go to the G League or they were to remove the one and done rule? You you brought up Jalen Suggs, right? Jalen Suggs was you said eleven. I'm sure he was in the top ten in most, right? Recruiting rankings. Yeah. Would he have not been drafted this year? Right? He would have been drafted. Would he have been yeah. ready? So that's one less star in college basketball. And I get that. And look, it'll hurt the sport in terms of revenue. I have no doubt about that. But I still think people and, – and it'll hurt in terms of viewership in certain ways. But people are still going to watch it. Like that, that, that's the thing. People will watch March Madness always. Like it doesn't matter who's there because we don't expect going into March Madness for Duke to make the Final Four. Like we, some may hope. You may hope, but most of us are excited for the upsets, for the 12 seed that beats the five seed, for some, you know, a school like Lehigh defeating Duke when they were a 15 seed over the two seed. I mean, wasn't that a great moment? CJ McCollum going off. I mean, that's where we learned about these players. What about John Moran? When he went off and put up, what was it, a triple-double against Marquette in the first round? I mean, those are the moments that college basketball fans live with. And John Morant's a player who's not going to go to the G League. I mean, he went to Murray State. So I think college basketball will ultimately survive regardless of how many stars leave. I think it's better with stars, but I I don't think— There's no doubt it'll survive. It just, you know— it's a business, right? They're worried about their business. Of course. No, no, and it, it's not – it's it's a concern worth pointing out. I'm just not sure it's a concern that, you know – I mean, I, I don't know how it's addressed, and I don't think getting rid of the one-and-done rule or keeping the one-and-done rule is the right way to address the problem. So – but uh, it's certainly an interesting debate. It's something I think we will probably touch on significantly – over time because I think it's going to come up over and over again. But let's move on to something that is a little bit more fun. We're going to rank the conferences by point rank the conferences with how good their point guards have transitioned to the NBA. So the conference with the best point guards in the NBA will be ranked number one. We're going to go five to one. Daniel, Kick it off. Who do you have at number five? Yeah, and I just want to say this is a a segment we'll be doing throughout. We'll alternate with the positions and stuff. So the college conferences that have produced the best point guards, right? So number one, this is indisputable. You starting at one or five? Oh, start at five. You're right. Right. Start at five. Big 12. The Big 12, right? Oklahoma. Trey Young, right? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart, Oklahoma State. Um, and Devontae Graham out of Kansas, a sneaky pick. And then even uh, a guy like Monte Morris, a great backup point guard out of Iowa State. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. That, that's certainly a good conference. 
I have I have them actually higher than you do apparently because my number five is the Big East. It's just not that deep. It, it, it like there's only look when I made my rankings, I looked at the stars you have and how deep you were. And the Big East has a couple stars, but they're not really deep. I uh, look the Big East is number five because they have Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, and Jalen Brunson, and those three are stars. And I'm saying Kemba Walker is Big East because he played when right. they were still yeah, in the yeah, Big yeah. East. And UConn's back in the Big East. Best thing that's ever happened for college basketball. Um, Big East was always my favorite conference as a kid, even though I'm a Pac-12 guy. Um, so Kemble Walker's a star in the NBA. Kyle Lowry just won a championship. He's been the face of Toronto for a while now, of course, along with DeMar Rosen. And then Jalen Brunson. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a solid player, you know, came out of Villanova. So, so the Big East is number five because they're just not that deep. Oh, yeah? Well, I have the Big East at number four, and I'll tell you why they're better than the Big 12. You mentioned Kemba Walker at UConn, Kyle Lowry out of Villanova, and Jalen Brunson, one of the best backup point guards in the league, super undervalued. And you missed this one guy, Chris Dunn. He was starting at point guard for the Bulls for a while before Kobe White came in. He's, I knew you were going to mention Chris Dunn. But Chris, Chris Dunn, Dunn hey, Chris Dunn is now on the Hawks. I, I believe he's injured. He hasn't played yet, but he is going to be that that spark, that missing piece that the Hawks needed, that defensive-minded point guard to go next to Trey Young. Chris Dunn was, what was he, pick number four? He had really high expectations coming out of that draft. He didn't live up to them, but he's still a solid point guard. And, okay, you said they're not deep, right? That's four point guards, right? The Big 12 also had four. Trey Young, Marcus Smart, Devontae Graham, and Monte Morris. I had those four. I got a whole lot more in the big... Well, okay, okay. So then they hit, let me give you my number four because it's the Big 12. You had them close. Yeah. You just had them one spot off. No, you did. Maybe you forgot how to count to five. That's okay. So, Trey Young, you're right. Devontae Graham, Marcus Smart. And who was the last person you mentioned? Uh, Monte Morris of the Monte Nuggets. Morris. I don't even have Monte Morris. Did you forget about DJ Augustine? Did you forget about Corey Joseph... Did you forget about Javon Carter? Actually, I, mean, I didn't. They just were not worth mentioning. They are all worth mentioning. No, they're they not. They are solid role players in the NBA. They are all better than Chris Dunn. The, uh, no. Absolutely. Chris Dunn is 10 times better than all of them combined at defense. And you know what? I included rookies because I see potential in rookies, and they will be stars in the NBA. And... Tyrese Halliburton is going to be a star. So Tyrese Halliburton and the rest of the crew that you completely ignored in the Big 12 is why the Big 12 is number four. Okay, okay, wait, let me get this straight. So you are putting the Big 12 over the Big East for the simple reason of Tyrese Halliburton putting up 12 points in the NBA once? Look, Trey Young is a star. Well, Kemba Walker and Lowry are, are proven stars for over a decade. Trey Young's been in the league for what? Three years? Devontae Graham is a solid NBA starter. Yeah, well, uh, LaMelo should be starting over him. Sure, but LaMelo's a rookie. And then you have the depth. Marcus Smart, DJ Augustine, Javon Carter, Tyrese Halliburton, Monte Morris, and Corey Joseph. I'm not sure I would call Corey Joseph and Javon Carter depth. What do you, like, they're absolutely depth, just like they're depth on an NBA team. No different. 
I want those players to be my backup point guard. They're solid backups. The Big East doesn't even have a backup. All right, hey, hey, that's your choice. Fine by me. So, how about how about the Big East and the Big Twelve play each other, and we'll see who's who wins. Absolutely, and I'll take the Big Twelve. All right, I'll take the Big East. So does that bring me on to number three? Yep. All right, number three, I have the ACC, which is actually a bit surprising, as big of a powerhouse as they are. Number three. So we've got Kyrie out of Duke, Chris Paul out of Wake Forest, Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon, who's doing great things on the Pacers this year out of Virginia, Kobe White out of UNC, Terry Rozier out of Louisville, and you might have missed this guy, Reggie Jackson from Boston College. Um, Oh, I didn't have Reggie Jackson. So like I said, I am surprised to see the ACC so low, um, especially Duke, only having one point guard worth worthy of being noted, right? Um, oh, fun fact, Kyrie is the only point guard from Duke to ever really become a star, right? And in fact, he's the only point guard in Duke history to ever be named an NBA All-Star. And you know what? The same thing can be said for UNC. Oh, wait. No, it can't, because they have zero Okay, nice dig at UNC. Love to see it. You're such a dookie. Not the point. We're going to get into Duke later. Have no fears. And when I say get into Duke, I mean absolutely rip into Duke. But I also have the ACC at number three. It's a competitive conference. I thought about putting it in number two, but it's just not there skill-wise. I like Kyrie Irving, of course. Chris Paul's obviously an established star. Malcolm Brogdon, you mentioned all that. Um, a couple names I-, I would add is actually a couple of your Dukies. Um, one's a Duke guy. Tyus Jones is someone who I add. Again, yep. a nice role player. I-, I like him on my team. Trey Jones got drafted. I don't think he's going to be you know, a star, but he's a solid player. Quinn Cooks has been a nice role player on a couple championship teams. Dennis Smith Jr. is athletic. I like athletic. Um, you know, he can dunk. I like that. I can't dunk, so I like anyone who can dunk. And Cole Anthony, yeah, another well, rookie. The, He's the gonna Mavericks, be good. The Mavericks didn't like Dennis Smith Jr. enough, apparently. Yeah, well, that's fine. They traded him for Christoph Porzingis. Uh, who wouldn't? Like, when you can fleece the Knicks, why wouldn't you fleece the Knicks? Yeah, exactly. I agree with you there. Cole Anthony, again, another rookie. He's uh, going to be good. That's a little premature. I don't know if you watched when Duke played North Carolina last year, but he was the only player on their team worth noting, and he kept them in both games, and they should have won if one, if not both. No, that one game, games, that one game with uh, Trey Jones to yeah, bring no, it to overtime and then Wendell Moore to win the game. Yeah, exactly. Best so, game ever. So the ACC is number three for me. Uh, Reggie Jackson was a good ad. You know, I think certainly it'll, they're a good conference. And, you know, they could probably match up with the other two conferences. But I'll go to number two. And at number two, this is going to be a hot take, but I got the SEC. No. You say no, but it, it's not like, look, they have stars and they have great picks. John Wall, Ben Simmons, De'Aaron Fox, I'll let you get more into it. But, like, John Wall, not that good. He's Whoa. not. He's, he's not. He's like, arguably one of the best two-way point guards of all time. All time. He's, he's probably he's one of the best shot-blocking. He's one of the best play- shot-blocking point guards of all time. Fine. He I, looks I like don't he hasn't missed a, a beat. I don't need a shot-blocking point guard. He was out for two years. He's been one of better than James Harden. 
Because he fell down the stairs. He did, yeah. Look, Ben Simmons, I discount him a little bit because he just doesn't feel like a point guard to me. Like, we have him in point guards. I understand he plays like a point guard. He's a little too tall to be a point guard. But I discount that a little bit. De'Aaron Fox is a star. I love De'Aaron Fox. Again, Jamal Murray, another star, although not truly a point guard. And then I have Rajon Rondo, another good player. Patrick Beverly is a pest, and then Eric Bledsoe. Look, they're a great conference. They're just not number one. Hmm. Well, oh yeah. Well, your number one is my number two because they are the definitive number two, the Pac-12, right? We've got UCLA boys, Russell Westbrook, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, then Colorado uh, had Spencer Dinwiddie, and then um, Washington, uh, Markel Fultz, DeJounte Murray, and honorable mention to my guy, Isaiah Thomas. See, that's my point. Like, you look at the Pac-12, I'll, I'll go number one right now. It's so easy. It's the Pac-12. Not that the SEC doesn't have good players. The Pac-12 is just, I, I like them more. They're the conference of champions. Yeah, I think you're biased on this one. No, I'm not. They're just better. Because, look, you missed a name. You missed Markel Fultz. He's no, I said to... Markel Fultz. Okay, you said Markel Fultz. Doesn't matter. You didn't highlight Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is a good player. Yeah. And what are you missed... playing? Did you mention DeLon Wright? No, because he's not worth mentioning. DeLon Wright is again a solid role player at Utah. He was a star. If you had watched him in Utah, you would have said, "I like DeLon Wright." Oh, you know I love I how you're glorifying these guys who just like forgot how to shoot overnight. I said I like DeLon Wright because DeLon Wright's a good player. You missed the rookies again. Because they're Peyton, not – they haven't proven anything yet. Peyton Pritchard. How hey, can you say that? Listen, he, I he love – won Pey you guys a game. I love Peyton Pritchard. But it's okay, too early. Exactly. Stop talking. You're done. Peyton Pritchard. And then Tyrell Terry. Stanford. He's going to be a good player. He's a first-round pick. So, no, you know, he's a second-round pick, and he's played like two minutes in the NBA. You know what? He's a solid player, though. He was good in college. Um – you know Wasn't who else was good in college? At Adam Morrison. Okay, well, you know what? Stop this. Tyrell Terry is going to be a solid player. Give it time. That's a hot take, but a hot take on me. DeJounte Murray is going to be a star, if not already. He's a great player. He's a fringe star. Okay, he's, he's still young, though. Like, give him time. He's in San Antonio. Coach Pop, let him develop. Lonzo Ball, good player. Right, Spencer he's Dinwiddie. just a good player. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be part of a championship team in the next two years. Give it time. Drew Holiday, a really good player, great two-way player. And then Russell Westbrook's a star. I don't know, like I don't know what else to say. Like Russell Westbrook is a star, and like I get the SEC has more names, but those names didn't all develop, and that's my problem. Hands down. All right, so you're well, not SEC. It's okay. It's okay, Eli. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. Because the the SEC is number one. There's no competition. Indisputable. Out of LSU, we got Ben Simmons. Then we've got the Kentucky boys with John Wall, Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Eric Bledsoe, Rajon Rondo. Then you missed um, Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt, who's playing some great minutes with uh, Cleveland this year. And then you mentioned Patrick Beverly out of Arkansas. The, it, absolutely no competition. Kentucky dominates. I don't know why. Is it development? Great recruiting? Maybe a mix of both? When was the last time they didn't have a star point guard, right? This is clearly, by far, no competition. 
best conference to produce star point guards. Uh, you're wrong, but it's okay because it is the Pac-12, the conference of champions. But we will disagree and we will move on. So our next segment is under the spotlight where we will look at one con- one college basketball team as a program and we will look how they have had their players develop once they enter the NBA and just the, how they play, the style they play, and really how good they've become and how well their players have developed. So today we are looking at Daniel's favorite team, sickeningly. That's not a word, but it doesn't matter. Maybe it is. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Duke Blue Devils. And, I'll, you know, I'll let you go first, but I'll just say this. Yeah. It's not pretty. Okay. Well, first let me clarify, I am not a bandwagon Duke fan. My parents both went there. I feel like it's well-deserved that I'm a Duke fan. Bandwagon. <clears throat> okay, all right. Well, this one's actually going to be kind of tough for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, well, okay. Let me collect myself. Let me preface this by saying I, I do not like labeling many NBA players busts, right? Unless it's deserved. Like, Anthony Bennett, we can all say it, he's a bust. I think, like, two years ago, he was, like, on the Celtics' main Red Claws G League team. So, bust. However, Jabari Parker, not a bust, right? So, Duke actually hasn't produced many busts, right? They're, it's usually situational you. yes no you finish i was okay. just saying I, I have a bust for you oh okay okay it's usually situational right <clears throat> like jabari parker it was injuries never really had the opportunity after milwaukee and then you know a guy like jaleel okafor not a bust it's just he's a traditional big man he's kind of slow uh he just isn't right for the modern nba um but I, I, i'm not gonna act okay you go you go now I'm gonna. Now I'm gonna. I'm sorry, Jaleel Okafor. Yeah. What what pick did he go again? In the draft. Three. He went three. He's averaging ten points a game in his career. He's shooting fifty-four percent, which is fine, but that's not really good for a but, big but man. But he's not a bust because it's not really his fault. It's the way the league it's shifted. A- it's a, I'm not blaming Jaleel Okafor, but I'm still telling you the truth. Like, you have the number three pick. It doesn't work out. That's a bust. Mm. Like, like him, like, he's a bust. Like, it's not his fault per se, but, you know, it just it, – it is what it is. Like, he just didn't work out, you know. But but I can move on from Jaleel Okafor. There's just a lot of players that have been picked in the first round that just have turned out to be nothing. I mean – Look, look, here's a couple guys. And, you know, I'll get into this in a little bit, but, you know, let's just talk about how good Duke players have developed. I, right now in the NBA, there's only two stars, Jason Tatum and Kyrie Irving. I think we can agree. Those are the two stars. I would disagree. Zion, Zion Williamson is not a star yet. He's had one season. I would one say se- Brandon Ingram is technically a star because he's an all-star. Oh, gosh, that's a little bit ridiculous. Like, I, I'm looking at, like, someone who's, like, can be the best player on it, like a championship team, and like, or at least be on a, a, a best player on a team that can go into the playoffs and make a run. Jason Tatum is that. Kyrie Irving can be that if he's, you know, closes his mouth. But or Brandon Ingram is not. 
Brandon Ingram is not that, not yet. Zion Williamson is also not that, not yet. But they're good players. J.J. Redick, another good player. I actually labeled him as good because I think he's had a sustained career. And I think he's an important player. And you know what? He plays his role as well as anybody plays their role in the NBA. But there's a lot of players that really haven't worked out that well. Look at whether it's Jabari Parker. He didn't work out all that well. Harry Giles, not looking so great on that pick. That was injuries. Even, even Marvin Bagley Jr. I mean, look, he's a solid player, but he he's not – he was a bad pick for number two. I mean, Luka Doncic well, and Trey Young anyone after picked, him. Anyone picked before Luka is going to look bad. But the thing is I could have told you that Marvin Bagley Jr. was not going to be as good as Luka Doncic. I could have told you that. He like he's not a five. He's not a four. He's playing he's in the wrong not... system. He's playing in the wrong system right now. What system does he fit? He doesn't fit in the NBA very well at all. Like he's he's not tall enough to be a five. He's not like a five. He's not a four. He's something in between, but that doesn't really work. You know, he's not. He's athletic, but he's not athletic enough to guard all the positions he needs to. It's that's the problem. So. He didn't work out in number two. Right. Okay. Justice Winslow didn't work out in Miami. Wendell Carter Jr., I mean, they were trying to trade him to draft James Wiseman in in Chicago, so that tells you all you need to know about him. I I just – there's a lot of busts. And then you have a couple average players. Gary Trent Jr. has turned out to be a solid player. Um, Luke Kennard, I mean, I don't know, not special. Clippers wanted him. Yeah, Cam Reddish was a top 10 pick, and yes, he's young, so we'll see he's how that works good. out. But, the Hawks but, like him. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm just uh, – Duke has had a lot of disappointments. What right, disappointment. I would not label them bust. Okay, listen. I'm not I here – I'm not here – I didn't say bust on any guy except for Jaleel Okafor. Okay, hey, look, I'm not here to pretend like Duke produces a lot of stars because, you know, for the it longest is. time it was just Kyrie, right? And now it's it's sort of Tatum, Ingram, Zion. We can debate that all day. But right there are less than five. We can both agree on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, after after a long look and careful analysis of Duke's program uh, and Duke's players in the NBA, I, I think I've concluded um, that Duke produces like an overwhelming majority of players who don't live up to expectations, right? I wouldn't say bust. They just don't live up to expectations, okay? Absolutely. Right now... I did, I did some math. I looked it up. Right now, there are 27 Duke players in the NBA, right? That's a lot. And most yeah. are role players. 14 were lottery picks, and three have been all-stars. Uh, you that's know, a- I'm with you. That is concerning. That That's a problem. Here's, here's the bigger issue for me. It's some of the forwards, like the small forward type, the Jason Tatum, the Brandon Ingram, I'll even include Zion Williamson, and like the very athletic, can guard all five positions forward, has turned out well for Duke. Kyrie Irving, the star point guard, has turned out well for Duke. J.J. Redick, I'll say he's turned out well for Duke. I mean, look, he was a star at Duke. He's been good in the NBA. He's bounced around a lot, but he fills his role. He's a great three-point shooter. Yeah. Where Duke has absolutely failed is in the big man. I mean, like I said, Jaleel Okafor, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., Jabari Parker, they've all 
really did like those are the to me the biggest disappointments maybe not marvin bagley jr but the rest of them have been bigger disappointments and they're all that besides okafor what they all have in common and even okafor is they don't really fit what the nba is doing yeah i know i'm right i'll hop on board with you i i noticed a lot of two-way wings coming out of duke that have actually translated fairly well like we we mentioned cam reddish tatum even Shemi Ojale, he's a two-way wing who played for yeah. Duke one year before he, or two years before he transferred. Brandon Ingram, Justice Winslow's a great two-way wing. Uh, sort of Jabari Parker and Rodney Hood. Uh, the, the wings have turned out well. Jabari, I forgot about Rodney Hood. Actually, I, I, I remembered Rodney Hood. I was going to point him out, but I just didn't see his name. But but like that big, that I'll call it a power forward type, the center type. Like Duke does not develop them to shoot threes. Duke, I mean... If you go back to the Zion Williamson year where they had Zion Williamson and we met and RJ Barrett's a good player. Yeah. RJ Barrett is again, one of those two way wings who was a little disappointing in his first year, but I think he'll turn it around. I mean, he didn't have anything around him with the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks are a poor organization to play for, but they didn't have a center that year. And the years before when they were producing big men, those big men were good in college because you had so much around them. They were able to dominate inside, but they're not winning one-on-one matchups. Wendell Carter Jr. is not winning a one-on-one matchup. Okafor, Giles, Bagley, they're not winning those matchups. So that's what I saw is the big men at Duke really did not translate to the NBA. The two-way wings did more or less translate, except I would say Justice Winslow has been a disappointment. Um, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, we'll see. Zion, Ingram, Tatum have all been great successes. That, that's, that's what I see. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, the big men are a problem. Yeah, and you know what? The, a lot of players have disappointed from Duke, right? You know, I'm not going to shy away from that. And I, I think I have somewhat of an explanation for this. Um, The Brotherhood, right? I'm sure you've heard of the Brotherhood. Duke, they, they pride themselves on the Brotherhood. I, heck, like, a, a lot of, you know, recruits, you know, say they went to Duke because of the Brotherhood, right? Um, yeah. And and so, you know, a lot of other programs are going to say, you know, we're like a family, right? But but Duke really is a big family. Um, a lot of their coaching staff uh, is former players, and you know, they have pool parties, barbecues. So where I'm going with this is they get comfortable, right? They're comfortable in a family. They feel taken care of, right? They let their yeah. guard down. So it's a huge culture shock once they get into the NBA and all of a sudden you have other players competing for your for your minutes, for contracts, and it, it, it comes down to they're uncomfortable. They're not used to it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the best way to put it. I mean, it's it's disappointing. I mean, Jaleel Okafor led Duke to a championship. And, it, you know, it's just a little, a little shocking that, you know, that's what has turned out to be how they've played it, you know, he was again, a top three pick. I mean, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate because, you know, I want the, like, it's fun to watch stars in college basketball succeed. And, you know, Duke all usually has stars and a lot of these stars have not developed. Right. So not developed to their, to what we consider their full potential, I guess would be the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. So, but let's move on to our final segment Where'd he go? Where we will each give each other three NBA players, and the other person will have to name where they went to college. 
So I, I, you know, I feel like I might've gone too easy on you for this first one. I feel like you're going to get a great record to start. Um, yeah. We're going to, we're going to do a tally throughout the podcast. Um, yeah, we're going to sort of a competition. So I guess I'll go first. Uh, this is my easiest one. Do you want to like, he's one of my favorite players. So I picked him. I think you're going to get this pretty easily. My first one's Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam went to New Mexico. No. no. New Mexico State. You've got to be kidding me. Oh. No, that, that doesn't count. You're 0 for, you're 0 for 1. Oh, my gosh. Wait, should right, I go right. second? No, I'll, I'll go now, okay? All right. My first player spent some time on the Celtics now. The Nuggets have totally embraced him. P.J. Dozier. Where'd he go? South Carolina. Yes. Right? Yes, that is correct. He was on the, was he on that final he was on that did they go to the final four that year when uh, they beat Duke? That was Cinderius. That was with Cinderius Thornwell. Yes. But I don't know if PJ Dozier might have been on that team. Yes, he definitely was. I mean he, he was okay. But the, 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 I oh wow, that was a good one though. But I got that one. Okay, right, my next one, another and this one's an NBA veteran. But that's why I think it might be interesting to see if you know your old-time college basketball. Where did Jeff Teague go to college? Jeff Teague went to Wake Forest. Yes, he did. That's I should know. One. He's on my Celtics. Yeah, I was about to say. I actually went to your Celtics roster and picked out him. Bad so idea. Just... I, I purposely did not go to the Warriors. That's smart. <laughs> so, go with All right, your second. I, I'm up. Uh, you, you'll probably get this guy. Um, just got paid in Toronto. Where did Fred Van Vliet go? Oh, don't even. This is my favorite NBA player. I love Fred Van Vliet. Where'd he go? I think, I, he went to Wichita State. He's my favorite player. He was my favorite player once he, like, his wife gave birth to their child and then in the playoffs, and then he just absolutely went off. He had a great rest of the playoffs, was amazing, was my favorite player. He's short. He knocks down the threes. I just love him. He's one of my favorite players, so you're not getting that one. I remember me. that. I remember he was best known for looking like your barber. Not yours, yes. but just the general yeah, barber. No, I agree with that analysis. So uh, I actually am a huge Fred Van Fleet fan. So here's my last one. And actually, I did go to the Warriors for this one last one. And I think this one's going to be tricky. Another NBA veteran, but I'm not sure you're going to get this one. Where did Kent Bazemore go to college? Oh, no. Oh, gosh. All right. Kent Bazemore, where did he go? Kent Bazemore went to... I'm thinking somewhere in the ACC or somewhere in the Big 12. I'm going to say, oh, uh, I'm I'm just going to say Kansas. I went small school on this one. No. I went bigger name, smaller school. <laughs> Old Dominion. I was never getting that. Yeah, stumped you. So you went one for two. I can go two for one if I can get your last one. Hopefully it's easier than. All right. Oh wait, I'm two. I'm already no. I can go three and zero. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably get this one too. Maybe not. Mason Plumley, where'd he go? Where the Plumley brothers? Right, because they all went to the same school. Did they go to Kentucky? You would be wrong. They went to Duke. Oh, I knew that. Who went to? Oh, it was the Humphreys who went to Kentucky. I was sticking with our under the spotlight theme of Duke. Plumley brothers. Oh, no. 
hey, they had two. three of them. Uh, Miles was the first to be there, then Mason, and then I think there was uh, there was another one. Marshall, I think. Marshall yeah. Plum. No, there was three. I remember them. I, I should have known them. That one was too obvious for All me. All right, so you went, you went two for one. Two I went one. one for two. All right, yep. so Eli holds the crown for now, but uh, we'll be back next week, and you, you best bet I'll be on top after that one. I'm not sure about that. I think I'll get to you again. But that is all we have for today. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode. So, so long. Stay, stay safe, stay well, and we will be back with another episode next week.